I want to jump into our kids chat and uh, we've, we're going to uh, have just a, a little quick video for you. It's less than a minute. It's not very long at all. It's a video of my boys playing a game that hopefully is familiar. Uh, the game is called Red Light, Green Light, and uh, you've probably hopefully played that before. And uh, what I'd like you to do is just as you're watching it, just, just kind of chime in on Zoom and on Facebook. Uh, tell us what is the, the best part or your favorite part of playing that game and, and tell us what is uh, the, the worst part or the hardest part part about playing that game. So red light, green light, let us know best and worst part and watch this quick video of my boys playing the game with me as the caller. Noah, Zeke, and Simon, I'm going to give you some instructions. We're going to play red light, green light. And when I say red light, what do you do? Stop. You stop. When I say yellow light, what do you do? You slow down. You walk. Right? When I say green light, what do you do? Run. Good. Uh, let's get going. Ready? Yellow light, green light, red light, yellow light, green light, red light, <laughs> yellow light. Uh, with each other. Um, uh, sometimes uh, we could just say that that, uh, that game gives us a little tiny picture of, of what our life is actually like. Uh, some days it feels like we have a green light. Everything is awesome. It's all going great. Everything seems to be going in our direction and we are running at full speed ahead. And then there are other days that maybe we're feeling a little bit tired or, or, or you know, one bad thing happens and uh, things start to slow down a little bit. And then there are, of course, days where it feels like we have a red light. <laughs> it seems like everything is going wrong and it seems like everything is against us. And man, we have a hard time with those red lights. Uh, we want to get moving. It's hard to stay in one place. And so those red lights, at least for me, that would be my answer for the hardest part, the worst part of that game. You just have to wait for that caller uh, to call out yellow or green. Just track with this. Um, we could say that, that Jesus followed God's call perfectly. Uh, there were certain times when, uh, when God said, hey, Jesus, run full speed ahead. And he got to have the joy of running full speed ahead with his mission and his purpose. And then there were times that Jesus followed that yellow light and he was a little bit slower in his ministry. And we would even say that, that Jesus faced the red light. And that when God said red, that Jesus was stopped. But that red light, we just have to see this, it wasn't the end for Jesus. In fact, we would say it was only the beginning for Jesus. Uh, when he died and was buried in a tomb, that wasn't the end of his story. Today we're celebrating that Jesus Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. See, it's great good news that the red light for Jesus wasn't the end of his story. There was more to it. There was going to be a green light. And I can only imagine that when God said green light, he ran out of that tomb full speed ahead, ready to show the world everything that he had done. And so today is a great big celebration. We celebrate a God who wants everybody to finish their race. And so he sent Jesus to finish his race so that we could finish ours. But let's say a prayer and thank God uh, for sending Jesus who gives us such hope. 
Dear Jesus, thanks for loving us. We know that you rose from the dead. Your red light didn't last forever. You got a green light and ran out of that tomb. Thanks for the hope that that gives us. We know that hard days, slow days, that's not the end. We're going to get to run with you and to you forever and ever. And all God's kids said, amen. Uh, I don't know that Jesus ever actually played the game of red light, green light, although I could see him having some fun with that. Uh, Jesus was a fun guy. Uh, we know that he enjoyed having fun moments. Uh, but if we just kind of took that metaphor just a bit further, then we could say that there were certainly times, like we did with the kids, uh, we could say that there were certainly times where he was uh, running full speed uh, in his mission and in his ministry. He had that green light. And then there were other times where maybe we would say that he had the yellow light, uh, things that were just slower, not necessarily less important, just slower. And then there were even times when he faced that red light. If you just kind of go back through all of those, uh, when Jesus had that green light, I'm thinking about the time that, that he raised a man named Lazarus from the dead. Uh, he knew that his friend Lazarus was sick, and he, and he showed up at the, at the tomb after Lazarus had died, and he got on his knees and he prayed to his heavenly father. And, uh, and then, as only Jesus can, he commanded with all of his authority and power, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out of that tomb alive. We would probably say that Jesus was running full speed in his mission and ministry that day. Um, I'm thinking about another time when Jesus had 5,000 hungry men on a hillside. And, uh, and it didn't take him months to prepare food. It didn't take him weeks to prepare food. It took him mere moments. A little boy came with five loaves of bread and two fish and said, here you go. And Jesus instantly fed 5,000 hungry young men and the women and the children that were there. Uh, I think we would say, uh, oh, and they were fully satisfied, right? They were fully satisfied, and there were 12 baskets of leftovers for them. Uh, I think we would say that Jesus was, was running full speed in his mission and ministry that day. Uh, and then there were times, as I mentioned, that Jesus had that yellow light, not less important times, just slower, uh, times when he was maybe up on the hillside, um, uh, up on a mountain, praying to God the Father. Uh, and there were times where, when he had quieter moments with just him and the disciples, um, and, and, and he would be teaching them what it meant to be a disciple. And then there were times when he had these huge crowds in front of him, and he'd be teaching them about the kingdom of God and, and, and how important the kingdom of God is and what the kingdom of God really looked like. And there were times that Jesus had that yellow light, times that were slower, not less important, just, just slower. And then we've been talking over the last couple of days about how Jesus faced that red light. How um, Jesus suffered greatly at the hands of the authorities. Jesus was made fun of by them for the claims that he had made. Now, those that were closest to him, uh, his family and friends that he had been with for the last two or three years, they all ran away and deserted him. 
Uh, Jesus was beaten brutally with rods and fists. He was whipped 39 times uh, in, in just a brutal lashing. They took a crown of thorns and smashed it on his head. Um, they nailed him to a cross. And for a moment, it seemed like they had stopped him. It seemed like their red light was the most powerful thing that he would ever face. Now, just hold on to that. We want to pick up the story of Jesus momentarily, but I also want to shift gears with you ever so slightly and just begin to talk about that passage from Hebrews chapter 12 and us. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 compares our life to a race, uh, not a short distance race, a long, grueling race. Uh, it says this, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. If we just kind of break that verse down, uh, the first part of it, let us run, right? So the author of Hebrews is saying that life is a bit of a race. <laughs> whether you like running or not, uh, whether you like working out or not, life is a bit of a race. Uh, let us run with endurance. Uh, that word endurance is a little bit different than what we've been talking about. It means to patiently wait to reach your destination. Patiently wait to reach your destination. Uh, we've been talking about how that word usually means to remain on the path, to remain on the path. Let us run with endurance the race. That's a really important word. Um, uh, the word is agon in Greek, and there's a little bit of confusion about what that actually means or what kind of uh, competition that was. But if you just attach, on, attach one syllable to that, you can get a feel for what uh, the writer to the Hebrews is saying, right? Agon, add on the one syllable, agony. <laughs> this is not going to be a sprint. This is not going to be even a marathon, right? 26.2 miles. This is not going to be an ultra marathon, which is anything over 26.2. This is going to be an ultra, ultra marathon, a long, grueling race that's going to tax you to the max. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Uh, the race that was set before us is simply, in the broadest way, the race of life. In a more narrow way, it's the journey or path of being a disciple, somebody who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and on mission with Jesus. Um, we talked about the suffering of Jesus. I want to talk for just a minute about what makes our race, uh, our journey, difficult. And that's not to compare us to Jesus. I, I don't think that all ever face the suffering that Jesus faced. But, but it is to say that sometimes uh, life on the treadmill is hard. Uh, life on the race, on the journey that we are on is difficult. You know, let's face it, sometimes we just don't want to be on the treadmill. We just don't. We don't want to be walking. Uh, we don't want to be running. We don't really want to do anything. Uh, other days, uh, we might be running the race hard and, and doing the best that we can, and we end up getting tired. Um, sometimes, I hope this never actually happens to you, but, but sometimes people come and mess with you on the treadmill. Uh, sometimes you're running your race and you're doing the best that you can, and people will come and they'll change the speed on you, right? They'll slow things down, they'll speed things up. Uh, sometimes people will, will pull that little uh, red magical button down here that would stop the whole machine, or they'll even unplug it so they just stop you entirely. Uh, sometimes people will even throw obstacles at you that you have to jump over and try to, try to get around. 
And, and then sometimes we start playing this game where we're looking at our stats and we say, man, I, I don't feel like I'm doing very good here today. Or, or we start looking around at other people and we say, man, they look better than I feel. It's not to say that you actually look bad, but they look better than I feel. And, and all these things are walls that we face. They're obstacles that, that slow down or impede our progress. So uh, take that metaphor and just apply it to yourself. What are the things that make you feel weary? What are the obstacles that you face that, uh, that block or impede your progress? Uh, these red lights that we face, you know, we feel like they're the most powerful thing and that we won't be able to continue our race. And when we face these obstacles, when we, when we hit these walls and face these things that, that slow us down or impede our progress or, or, or make progress difficult, then guess what? We get tempted. <laughs> we get tempted to, to get off this thing and, and, and maybe choose a different path. <clears throat> I don't know how much you can actually see on there, but my treadmill is pretty beat up. It's dirty and dusty and it doesn't even have a cover on the front. Now, this one looks very nice. Sometimes we're tempted to do that. We're on this path of being a disciple and trying our best to follow Jesus. And we see a different path and we think, oh, that looks kind of nice. Maybe I'll get off this path. And then other times we, we look over here and we see this really nice, comfortable rocker. This is one of my favorite chairs in my house. And it would be really comfortable and really nice to just sit here today. I've been on my feet a lot already. Uh, it would be nice to get off and just sit in that rocker. Sometimes we face these temptations when life is hard. But when we hit those obstacles, when we get tired or weary on our race. Uh, the book of Hebrews is written to a group of people just like that. They're facing these very temptations that we just talked about. Uh, life has gotten really hard for them, and they are tempted to stop being disciples. Uh, they've been facing these major walls that are blocking or impeding their progress. And uh, getting off and choosing a different path, uh, sitting down on the rocker, those sound like great options in this moment. And so the author comes alongside of them and he says this, this phrase that we're circling around, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And just see this, he offers one massively powerful thing that's going to help them. Just one massively powerful thing that's going to help them. And his name is Jesus. Listen to what he says. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Did you see what he said? He said, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What's going to help you do that? Jesus, the endurance of Jesus himself. The author says it twice in just these three verses. He says twice that Jesus endured. I don't know if you ever really have thought about that. <laughs> that Jesus himself endures. The author isn't just saying, hey, stick with it. Don't give up. No, he's saying, hey, run this race with endurance and let me tell you the one massively helpful thing, Jesus. Jesus finished his race so that you could finish yours. 
Jesus endured the cross. He endured the shame. He endured the agony. He patiently waited for an end goal, right? He remained on this path. and He didn't have to. <laughs> uh, he, he could have stayed in the comfort of his glorious heavenly home. He could have called on angels to rescue him. But he chose to endure. Jesus Christ truly is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Uh, the author says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And, and then he says, hey, let me give you this one massively helpful thing. His name is Jesus. Uh, and, and how is Jesus going to help? It, it's really a why, right? Why did Jesus endure? Uh, the writer gives us two reasons that Jesus chose to endure, and both of them are life-changing. Uh, the first reason, the joy set before him. Right, the joy set before him. In a broad way, the joy that was set before Jesus was the resurrection. Jesus endured the cross and the shame and the agony for the resurrection. Sometimes we forget this. It's like, you know, the resurrection happens and Jesus is like surprised. Like, oh, I'm alive now. No, no, no. This was the plan the whole time. <clears throat> Back in the, in the book of Psalms, Old Testament stuff, um, uh, it's predicted, right, that Jesus is going to suffer and he's going to rise. Uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, it's predicted that Jesus is going to die and he's going to rise. He tells his disciples three times, we're going to go to Jerusalem, we're gonna, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried in the tomb, and I'm going to rise from the dead. This is not a surprise to Jesus. He endured the cross, he endured the shame, he endured the agony for the joy set before him. The joy of resurrection, the joy of victory, the joy of destroying death and the devil and sin. So in a broad way, the joy that is set before him is the resurrection itself. Um, in a more narrow way, you could say that the, that the joy set before him is you and me. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9 tells us that the work of Jesus was to purify us, uh, to, to, to make us clean, that the work of Jesus was to bear the sins of many people, of all people. Uh, chapter 10 uh, tells us that, that his work was to open up a way to the Father uh, so that we could confidently enter into the presence of God, so we could be connected to him forever and ever. And chapter 13 tells us that the work of Jesus was to establish um, or, or create a new relationship with God. Uh, not because, <clears throat> you know, I choose all of a sudden to be connected to God. That this is a relationship that's based on the promise and the work of God himself. God makes a promise to be connected to us, to be in relationship with us. This is what the work of Jesus is. Jesus endured the cross, endured the agony, endured the shame for you, so that you could be cleansed, made pure, so that you could be uh, confident to enter the presence of God, so that you could be in a life-changing relationship with the creator of all things. Um, the, the work of Jesus changes everything, and his joy is your salvation. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Jesus finished his race so that you could finish yours. 
The author says, um, let us run the race that is set before us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What's going to help Jesus and why he endured? The second thing, the second reason that he endured, and this blows me away every time I see it, right? The second reason that he endured, that he patiently waited for an end goal, uh, that, that he remained on the path is so that you would not grow weary and that you would not lose heart. That is fantastically good news. We've got a Jesus who endured the cross, endured the agony, and endured the shame so that you wouldn't grow weary, so that you wouldn't lose heart. Um, to grow weary, that means uh, that, that you are sick uh, or that you are tired. Maybe that you're sick and tired of something. Um, to grow weary means that, that you are feeling or showing tiredness, usually as a result of excessive exertion. Let me say that again. You're feeling or showing tiredness, usually as a result of excessive exertion. Um, losing heart, uh, that's a sense of, uh, I feel like I can't do it anymore. Uh, losing heart means that you become discouraged. Um, in the Bible, it usually actually has a sense of, uh, when you lose heart, you give in to something that is evil. And just see this, this is not what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to become weary. He doesn't want us to lose heart. And so he sends Jesus to endure the cross and endure the shame and endure the agony so that you would never grow weary, so that you would never lose heart. Jesus Christ truly is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Jesus finished his race so that you could finish yours, so that red and yellow lights wouldn't be the most powerful thing or the only thing or the last thing in your life. So let me just make two suggestions uh, for you. Um, and you could take them or leave them, I guess. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but there are some days when I feel weary. And there are some days when I, when I begin to lose heart. And there are some days when I face those temptations of getting off this path and choosing a different path or plopping myself down in the rocker. So let me make two suggestions on those days when you feel like that. My first suggestion would be to simply walk to the tomb. I'd encourage you to run to the tomb, but I want you to walk to the tomb. That's really the, the pace of life that we feel when we feel weary and we feel tired and we are losing heart. So walk to the tomb because the empty tomb makes us run. If you uh, followed along in that John, uh, that reading from the Gospel of John, uh, you'll notice, notice that everything starts so slow on sunrise. Uh, the women are walking to the tomb. It's a slow, heavy-footed walk. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, they see that the tomb is open and the tomb is empty. And what happens? They all start to run. People are running towards the tomb. They're running from the tomb. They're running from the tomb with purpose towards other people. So on those days when we don't feel very good, we can walk to the tomb and the empty tomb brings life and makes us run. First suggestion would be to walk to the empty tomb. The second suggestion would simply be to look at Jesus, which is what the author tells us to do. So that's probably even better advice than to walk to the empty tomb. The author says, let us look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter 
of our faith. See, when we're on this, this race of life, we have a tendency to look at ourselves. We look at our stats. We get disappointed with how we're doing. Uh, we're looking at how we feel. Sometimes we look around at other people and how we get frustrated and mad that they're messing with our speed or throwing things on the treadmill in front of us. But the author says, no, no, no. Look at Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Jesus Christ truly is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Jesus endured. Jesus finished his race so that you can finish yours. Let's pray. Uh, dear Jesus, we thank you so much for your work. Uh, your work today, your work from the previous days, uh, your work of saving us, your work of enduring. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for all that you have done. Would you please keep lifting our, our, our eyes towards you? Uh, keep our heart and our mind focused on you. Let us see you and the race that you ran. In the name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen.